the middle of a storm, just begin to worship God. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' mighty name that we have authority over the elements. That you are truly Lord in every situation, and we honor you, Lord. We magnify you, Jesus. cast every care, Lord God, on you tonight. Every care tonight, we cast this on you. Oh, hallelujah. You're Alpha and you're Omega. You are our beginning and you are our end. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. We serve an awesome God, do we not? Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. My peace I give to you. What a peaceful atmosphere. Let's make a confession to our neighbor tonight. How about that? Tell your neighbor either to the left or to the right of you. Tell your neighbor I'm a champion. If you've ever, tell them if you've never seen a champion before, check me out. (laughs) Amen. Hey, listen, folks need to know what a champion looks like, right? They might as well be looking at you, right? Anybody been made the head and not the tail? How many is above and not beneath? How many wouldn't raise your hands no matter what I say? <laughs> yeah, there's always one. <laughs> Let's uh, open our Bibles tonight to the Gospel of John, chapter 7. Seventh chapter of the Gospel of John. And we're going to start in verse 37. I don't know about you, but I miss the gifts of the Spirit in church.
I truly do. I move in the gifts of the Spirit in my own private life. You know, I mean, I'm not safe to go to the store with. I don't really. I, it don't matter. I mean, the Lord speaks to me. I don't care where I'm at. If I'm at the post office or whatever, I'm going to make sure that I minister to somebody. So uh, I, I just love the gifts of the Spirit. They're God's way of opening doors. And um, the fruit of the Spirit is so much more important. You know, the love of God and the joy of the Lord and the peace of God. But the gifts of the Spirit are very powerful. And I think that it's time for the church to start moving in the gifts of the Spirit again. I really do. In John chapter 7, look at verse 37. Verse 37 says this. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know something? I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. Last night, I battled an oppressive spirit all the way through the, the message, all the way through the service. And I'm not going to entertain this any longer. Right now, I take authority over any distractive spirit right now in Jesus' name. I come against any form of view or opinions or hard-heartedness or whatever it might be. Any kind of demonic presence in the name. There it went right there. In the name of Jesus, I bind it up. It will not fool with me any longer. I will obey the Holy Ghost. I will do what the Lord's told me to do. And then I'll move on in Jesus' mighty name. But I'm not fooling around now. Okay? All right? I'm not going to deal with that any longer. Let me tell you something. The enemy, the enemy wants to fight what God wants to do around here. Okay? God has got plans for this ministry. And you better just make a decision to get on board. Because God is going to have his way with New Life Church. Okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, I remember when I first started coming here, I could see all kinds of things that I wanted to say, and I thought, oh, I can't do that. Huh? Hey, you're a grandmother. Don't fool with me. <laughs> That's my sister right there. See, uh, if there's anybody that knows how to wreck tradition, it's Jesus. You just got to understand that. You, you got to remember that Jesus is the master of getting people out of ruts. Okay? And now, on the last day of this feast, there was a traditional thing that they would do. They would get into this processional, and they would begin to pour water out of a labor on parched ground. As a shadow and type. They were celebrating things that they didn't even know that uh, you know, really uh, was going to happen. It was just more of a, a ritual thing of what they would do. And, and really it was a shadow and type of, uh, of the coming of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they would pour water out on ground, parched ground, until they would get to a pool. And they would dip into that pool and they would go all the way back doing the same thing. They were going through a ritual. They were going through a routine. They were celebrating something that they, they didn't even realize in their hearts was one day going to be a manifestation in the earth. And Jesus stopped them. And he said, hey, listen, one day something's going to happen. I'm going to go to Calvary. I'm going to go to the grave. I'm going to resurrect. I am going to go to heaven and I'm going to send back into the earth somebody just like me called God the Holy Ghost. And he's going to take up residency in every person that will receive him. Jesus said this to a woman at a well in John chapter 4. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Here the Bible states that this woman is at a well at the sixth hour. 
Now, according to the fifth chapter of Judges, starting in verse 15, we realize that women gathered at the well at the ninth hour as an act of, you know, uh, intermingling and celebrating and, 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 you know, kind of getting prepared for the next day. So for her to be there at the sixth hour tells us that she's out of sorts with her, herself as well as society. Six is the number of men. And we know that she's had problems in her life. She's not only had five husbands, but the one she's living with, she's so racked by life, she's not even legally, you know, committed to. She's just existing with him. But all of a sudden, the seventh man in her life appears. The man of completion. And he lets her know that if you continue to drink from this well, you'll always be thirsty. But if you drink from what I have for you, you'll never thirst again. He was letting her know that you didn't have to be bitter because you've been through some things in life. You didn't have to be bruised and broken and bereaved and battered by the things that you've been through. That you could actually have an experience with me that would release you from things that you can't even commit to anymore. So he stops this procession and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he goes on to say, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now one thing, about, uh, one thing I love about the Bible is the Bible is, is just it's God's ultimate truth. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible says that God starts this book with a river. This river begins to water everything that's in the garden. The tree of life, the tree of good and evil. In Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5, God ends the book with a river. Everything about the kingdom of God is a flow from the Holy Ghost. Come on, amen. And see, the, the, the tree of life that is watered in Revelation 22 states that the, the leaves of this tree are healing for the nations. So what I suggest to you is this. What is in you and what flows out of you is healing for everybody that comes into contact with you. That had the Presbyterian church on their feet. They never heard anything like that before. Are you with me tonight? So I want to encourage you tonight. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 verses 16 through 18 says this. But this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. That's the reason why I don't dream. And, my, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those last days my spirit and they shall prophesy. Everybody shout, they shall prophesy. They shall prophesy. If there is one gift of the nine gifts of the spirit that you, you're supposed to covet, it's prophecy. You are supposed to covet to prophesy. Now there are fruits that begin to be developed and matured in your life when you begin to covet to prophesy. You see, this is why I just wanted to walk around a little bit, you know, in this, in this moment of just, you know, quiet, quietness, just to make sure that, that, you know, you had an opportunity to extract out of the atmosphere what I'm sensing in the atmosphere. You see, many times what happens is we don't realize that the, that the success of a church service has nothing to do with one person. The success of a church service has everything to do with everybody in the service doing something to cause the service to be successful. Yeah. 
Well, what we've done to church in America is if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen through one person. And it is completely contrary to the Word of God. You see, when we come together, we're all supposed to have something. We're supposed to bring something to the table. Somebody's supposed to have a psalm. Somebody's supposed to have a revelation. Somebody's supposed to have an interpretation to a tongue. Somebody's supposed to have something. Are you listening? So when we come to church, my friends, I, you know, when I, when I begin to meet with the Lord and the Lord began to talk to me about the, some of the, the coming events that were coming on the face of the earth, the Lord told me, he said, listen, you're going to have to learn how to minister differently. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you are too quick to act on word of knowledge and prophecy. You never give the people an opportunity to pick up on what you pick up on. You never give them an opportunity to extract from the atmosphere and pull it into tangibility. He said, you just need to slow your roll. So I just come to church and I just, you know, worship the Lord and listen and pick up on what, you know, what the Lord wants me to pick up on and and then I'm, I, I'm patiently waiting, patiently waiting, and, and, and you know, making sure that you know, I don't uh, uh, get ahead of what uh, God might want to do through you. Okay? I am expecting by the end of this service tonight that God is going to start doing things through you. Thank you for the one person that's excited about that. 1 Corinthians 4, 13, uh, 14, verse 31 says this, For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So everybody shout, I can prophesy. All right? Now, you need to understand that. Okay? Now, now let's just clear up some fear factors that people have with prophecy. Because the number one reason why people don't move in the gifts of the Spirit is because they're afraid. They don't want to miss it. Okay? Can I encourage you? You're going to miss it. Now, is God going to wait in the wings to judge you and be critical towards you and be mean? Absolutely not. How many realize that your children didn't fall out of heaven perfect? Some of you might think that they did. (laughs) But your children had to be taught. They had to be trained. And how many realize that they didn't get it the first time around? Come on, amen? So you're going to miss it when you begin to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. What, is, what do you need to do? You need to be around somebody that loves you enough that can come to you and say, Hey, listen, I don't want to squelch your spirit. I want to just tutor you a little bit. I want to mentor you a little bit. I want to help you. I want to help precise this thing and skill this thing and dial it in. Yeah, I had a lady tell me one time, she says, I want to prophesy, but I don't want nobody to correct me. I said, sit down, lady. Just sit down. All right? In fact, why don't you just go home? Because <laughs> that ain't going to work. Are you listening? Everybody is going to miss it. Does that mean that you have spoken some kind of idle word? Absolutely not. An idle word is when you speak about somebody, an unprofitable thing about somebody. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is edifying and exhorting to the hearer. An idle word is when you you have nothing good to say about somebody. Well, well, if I miss it, am I blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is basically saying to the Holy Spirit that I don't want, I don't want to receive Jesus. You can't be forgiven of, uh, of your sins, uh, but you know, 
but receiving forgiveness in this life. But if you reject it, you, you, you know, your sins will precede you to the throne. So there's no forgiveness in this life, nor is there forgiveness in the life to come or the life to come. So blaspheming the Holy Spirit is saying no to him when he's trying to draw you to repentance. It has nothing to do with you missing it, trying to obey God. Okay? So we have to learn how to do this. Amos chapter uh, 3 and verse 8 says this, The Lord God has spoken who can but prophesy. You see, when, when, when the Lord has declared something, you can't help but pick up on it. And if you pick up on it, God will give you an unction to obey Him and to prophesy. Numbers chapter 11 and verse 29, Moses said this, I wish that all of God's people were prophets. And see, here's the thing. That's about as close to being a prophet as you'll ever get is when you begin to prophesy. Okay? But let's understand the gift of prophecy. Revelation 19 and verse 11 says this, The spirit of prophecy is the spirit of Christ. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting right around verse 23, it begins to talk about how the Old Testament prophets were prophesying of the redemptive plan of God to come into the earth or the life of Christ. So when prophecy flows through you, it is the Spirit of Christ with the redemptive plan of God on His mind and on your heart. Okay? All right? So just because you prophesy doesn't mean that you're, you know, uh, that you're, you're special. All right? Because what can happen is God can start using somebody and there's something that will creep into somebody's life called pride. And they will think that there's something special. When all they really are is an activated member of a body. Okay, so what I want to encourage you to do is stay away from uh, parking lot prophets. If they don't have the backbone to prophesy publicly, they should not be allowed to prophesy in the parking lot. Okay? And just because you prophesy does not make you a prophet. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 10 through 12. All of a sudden, Saul's running with the prophets, and he's prophesying. And next thing you know, everybody thinks that he's a prophet. He's not a prophet. He likes to kill prophets. But when you get around the spirit of prophecy, when you get around a prophetic office, I'll tell you what happens. You begin to get an itch to obey the gifts of the Spirit. You get stirred up in your DNA. You see, whether you realize this or not, everybody that came to church last night and came back tonight is prophetically geared. You need to take heed to who's here tonight, sir. Because these these are the ones that God has made a deposit into their spirits called um, a prophetic nature. Not called to be prophets. Maybe some of you might be called to be prophets. But that will take time and that will take mentoring. And that will take being under authority so that you can be raised up correctly to have a heart for the house. Okay? But everybody in this meeting tonight has a prophetic drive. How many realize that you didn't ask for the DNA that you got from your parents? Some of you got some ugly that you probably could have done without. Isn't that right? You have to realize that if there is natural DNA, there is spiritual DNA. And I'm going to show you this in Scripture in just a minute. 
Hosea begins to say this in chapter 12 and verse 10. He said, I have spoken by the prophets. I have multiplied visions. I have given symbols through the witness of the prophets. So when the gift of prophecy gets stirred up in a church, because everybody is supposed to prophesy, what happens is it begins to enhance the revelation factor in that church. All of a sudden, people have ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to understand. All of a sudden, they start listening to the shepherd in a whole different dynamic. They're, they're not, they're not trying, to, trying to listen through their reasoning. They're listening through their spirit, man. They're listening through their hearts. They're actually picking up on the, on, on the motivation of what the shepherd is trying to convey. You don't plow through people. You all of a sudden, like I said earlier this morning, their gates are open and their and their and the hearts the, the doors of their hearts are open and and they're, they're they're ready to they're ready to move ahead they're ready to embrace they're ready for the word to take on signs and wonders. Prophets will not only enhance revelation in your church, but they'll also move you towards revival if you'll let them. Hosea begins to prophesy in chapter 12 and verse 13. He says that by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet, they were preserved. So prophets and the activity of the spirit of prophecy, because it is the spirit of Christ, and it is the redemptive plan of God in operation in a congregation, what will happen is prophecy will start leading people out of bondage. It will loose the captives. And then it will begin to preserve them. That the advancement that God has made in their life is truly God. And they are free to go ahead. Come on, amen. It doesn't enslave people. It does not control people. It does not bring bring people into bondage. It liberates people. The true spirit of prophecy sets you free. It taps your potential. It brings you out of your insecurities. It draws you out of your inferiorities. And it begins to let you know what God knows about you. You see, you got to catch this by the Holy Ghost. When you are around a prophetic office, you know how they're looking at you? They are not looking at you the way life has formed you. They are looking at you the way the purpose of God has created you. So I never look at anybody's shortcomings. Somebody's shortcomings don't mean nothing to me. They are one exposure to the spirit of revelation. One exposure to the true redemptive plan of God. To break out and break forth. And to come into the trueness of who God knows them to be. So you've got to be careful about judging people out of season. Just because they might look like they're in their winter season. Doesn't mean that spring's not on the way. Come on, amen. All right? Let me encourage you when you have time to look at this. This is powerful. Amos chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. It talks about what happens when there is no prophetic voice. You know what happens? Marriages get ruined when there's no prophetic voice. You better pray for the prophets. Because what we've experienced in, in America has been pathetic. It has not been prophetic. In fact, my friends, if we had a, a resonant prophet in every spirit-filled church, I'll guarantee you half of what goes on in that church would not go on. When there was a prophetic resonance, I'll guarantee you there is no humanism tolerated. Sin is sniffed out. And victory is constantly on the forefront. 
But you begin to study what happens in the book of Amos. Marriages are ruined because of the lack of a prophetic influence. Children never reach their destiny because of the lack of a prophetic influence. Come on, are you hearing me? People's lands are taken from them. Their assets and their livelihood are ruined because they don't have the presence of a prophet in their life. On and on and on. My friends, you need to pray for prophets. I mean true prophets. Prophets that are not afraid to look into somebody's life and say, you know what? That is going to be detrimental if you don't turn from it. Come on, amen? See, the problem is, is we don't want nobody getting close enough to really find these things out about us. But the fact still remains, the prophets are alive and well. Are you listening? Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. While you're turning there, let me share with you from Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens and lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Isaiah 42 and 5 says this, Thus says the Lord God who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and and that which is from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who, who walk on it. Now we're going to read here in just a few minutes that there's different types of offices. But my friends, I don't want anybody to get intimidated about the apostolic office or the prophetic office. Let me just, let me just ask you to say something. Everybody say apostle. Say prophet. See, you can say these words. Chris, since last night, has had me a pastor. He keeps calling me a pastor. I kept leaning over to the pastor. I said, I'm no pastor. I said, this congregation wouldn't want me to be a pastor. I would shear your your wool too close. (laughs) I mean, I'd have you looking like me. (laughs) Glory to God. Everybody would be squeaky clean, though. Glory to God. (laughs) Come on, he's had me a pastor. Listen, folks, we've got to start using correct terminology to be able to to identify the correct offices. And I'm not into, you know, anybody calling me a prophet. I'm not into that. I don't run around saying, I'm prophet so-and-so. I just walk around and be who I am. Okay, you're going to know a tree by its fruits. Okay? So if, if you can say pastor, if you can say evangelist, if you can say teacher, guess what? You can also say prophet. Hello? Now, I'm not talking about self-appointed people. I'm talking about the real deal. I'm talking about when you can see the prophetic office in somebody's life, when you can see the apostolic office in somebody's life. You need to recognize them as such. Okay? You've got you to learn how to unwrap that gift. And let me just say this to you. Because you have spiritual DNA down on the inside of you, and just because you're here and you came last night and you came tonight, just because you're here, you know, this is, this is where a lot of pastors get in trouble. The congregation will get all excited after a gift rolls up in that congregation and ministers. And if the pastor is not secure, what will happen is he will think that the sheep like that gift more than the pastor. Man, I've seen that across. across I, listen, I was out in Kansas one time. And, and I've, go, I've been going to this church for years. And, and man, I did a leadership meeting with the, with the leaders. And, and there was about 30 people in this leadership meeting. And God, God blew in there and blew up. 
Okay? Now, I went to this church. The first time I went to this church, I, I knew this pastor from a previous ministry, and he said, when you come to Kansas for the first time, I want you to address my leaders. And I said, man, I love talking to leaders. I love talking about leadership. And so I prepared this, 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 you know, this outline, and I was, I was just ready to invest in the leaders. And, and I noticed something when I got to the church. Not one leader greeted me in the foyer. Not one of them. I mean, by the time I even got to my seat, nobody came to me and said, hello, I'm such and such, it's good to have you. Nobody, nobody said anything to me. So I'm sitting there, you know, just praying, and the Lord said, now put an X through all that information and pin your ears back and go to biting on them like a sheep. He said, rebuke them thoroughly. He said, because if they cannot greet you, how do you think they treat the people that come to church here? And man, the pastor got up after I was done. He says, I've been thoroughly rebuked. He said, if you're not willing to follow these instructions, I want your resignation by Monday. Since then, that church has exploded. I be, you know, they, they said, we want you to come on and sit on our board. We want you to advise us. We want your, 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 uh, your contribution to the ministry. And, and I mean, I would go there, and, and they, they sold their land, sold their building. They're in a holding place, and, and just, I just kept prophesying to them. And, and, and they just kept swelling. They just kept growing. And they, they purchased land, and they built a big building, and they've already outgrown the big building. You see, there, 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 has to be, there has to be some kind of voice in your life that is beyond the limitations that you put on your life. Come on, amen? So I go back this last time, and all of a sudden the leadership meeting just blows up, and God's just you know, sweeping in the corners in people's lives. And the pastor got scared. Now, he's seen me operate before. And he, he says, I want to have breakfast with you the next, the, tomorrow morning before you, you minister to the congregation. And I said, okay. I said, sure. And then we're, we're sitting there eating quiche and drinking coffee and acting real, you know, yuppie. And, and, and he leans into me and he says to me, he says, I want to make this perfectly clear. I don't want you praying in tongues while you're in my pulpit. You can pray in tongues when you're in the altar, but don't pray in tongues while you're in my, my pulpit. I leaned into him and I said, Okay. There's only about three feet difference. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> what he was trying to do is he was trying to prick me. He was trying to offend me. He did not want me picking up on the guitar player in the band who was beating his wife and his daughter. Come on, y'all. So as a traveling minister, I do my best to listen to the authority that I'm under. But when I know that they're trying to get me to be sidetracked, what I have to do is I've got to lock into the Holy Ghost and really find out what's really going on. Probably spared that woman's life. Who knows? Are you listening? So this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about somebody that, that wants you, know, you to have their check and balance with them. I'm not talking about somebody that you're totally dependent on decision-making wise. That's not how prophets operate. Okay? In fact, prophets don't even lead you. Prophets confirm you. So if you were to ever get a word of prophecy, it should confirm what is in your heart. All right? But this is not what we're talking about tonight. We're not talking about the office of a prophet. But that is about as close to being a prophet as you're going to get when you prophesy. All right? 
So the reason you're here tonight is because you've got an itch that you need to scratch. And we're going to scratch that itch in a minute. All right? So just when, you know, when, when people come to you, Pastor, and they're, and they're going, Woo, wasn't that wonderful? My God. I mean, it was something else. And it's, it's, normally, it's, it's normally, you know, the, the ministry gift came in and just affirmed you and, and, and just, you know, came in and complimented what you've been trying to, you know, get the church to get a hold of. And all of a sudden they got excited because their eyes came open and, and, and they, got, they got it. The reason they got it is because a ministry gift came in that appealed to their spiritual DNA and their eyes came open. And now they are able to see what the pastor's been trying to convey all along. And if a pastor's not really secure, what will happen is a pastor will go, huh, really? And I've been preaching that for a month and a half. Hello? And it has nothing to do with, you know, uh, the, you know the office being better than, than the pastoral office. Because if you really understand this, an apostle is just a job description. A prophet is just a job description. They're not in any kind of hierarchy with you, with one another one's not any special or, or that's not very that's not good grammar is it one's not any better my wife tells me i make up words all the time i have my own dictionary <laughs> you ever heard of the cotton patch translation of the bible it's a cajun translation of the bible if you think i talk rough you ought to read it <laughs> all right 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's start in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, everybody shout gifts. Yes. It's a Greek word for the word manifestation. Now concerning spiritual manifestations, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Listen, how many times have you seen people get hurt by ministries because ministries were not scripturally accurate? Okay? God does not want you to be ignorant. All right? Listen, you're going to go through enough just trying to work out your salvation with one another. All right? Much less somebody twisting something, you know, to get over on you, manipulate, manipulate you. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Next verse. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these, these dumb idols, however you were led. Next verse. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So therefore, blaspheming has nothing to do with the picture. Next verse. There are diversities of manifestations, but the same Spirit. Everybody shout the same Spirit. Same Holy Ghost that operates in the gifts of the Spirit. Same Holy Ghost that operates in apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, and in the laity of the church. It's the same Holy Ghost. Okay, next verse. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Next verse. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Everybody shout all in all. Because you know what we're going to find out? We're going to find out that all nine gifts of the Spirit are supposed to operate in your life. But because of how you're wrapped... Because you have a spiritual deposit called a prophetic deposit down on, the inside, down on the inside of you, you will probably gravitate towards certain gifts more than others. You'll gravitate towards word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, 
Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Because you have a prophetic drive. Okay? Doesn't mean that you're not going to move in the miracle gifts, like the gift of faith or the working of miracles or the gifts of healings. Everybody in this room is going to need all nine gifts of the Spirit at some point in time of your life. These things have been deposited in you to profit everybody in this room. So don't sit back and say, well, see, you know, um, see, certain people are supposed to pray in tongues and some aren't. And, and see, you know, one gift belongs to one person and another gift belongs to another. You see, these are all fear statements. These are all statements of ignorance. Okay? So there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Next verse. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to profit for the profit of all. This is going to profit everybody in this room. Here we go, watch. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Let's just stop right there for a minute. Listen, you've got to find out who you got in your congregation. This is why I say look around tonight. These are your prophetic people. These are the people that are going to be moving in tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Okay? You also got to find out who's in your congregation that has gifts of healing in in operation in their lives. All right? Why? I'll tell you why. Because like I said earlier, if, one thing, if anything happens in a church service, it always happens through the pastor or through the guest minister or through a leader. My friends, I'm telling you, there is a better way to do this. If one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. You see, I got a feeling that God, yes, he will respect the individual anointing, but what he's really trying to push is a corporate anointing. The maturity of the saints... Come on, amen. Okay? So if I, I, I want to target the people that have gifts of healing in their lives. You know why? Not that if I was in a hospital and I, I wouldn't appreciate Pastor coming and praying for me or Pastor Arlen coming and praying for me. But I probably wouldn't check myself out. I probably would not be packing my suitcase while you're on your way to come pray for me. But if I had a posse of healing people from New Life Church... If I knew that there was a group of people coming from New Life Church that were 8 to 10 strong, and they had an attitude about them like this, they they tell the nursing station, hey, look, we're going into this room and we're going to pray for Brother Tim. We're going to draw the shades. No matter what you hear, no matter how long we're in there, don't come in until we're willing to come out. I'd be waiting on that posse because if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. I'd have my bags packed. I'd check myself out. I'd be, I would be ready to embrace your prayers so I could go on home. What I'm trying to say is the Holy Ghost is in you, and remember the fruit of your life is healing for the nations. What's the name of your grocery store? Y'all have a grocery store here in town? Hops. Tops. Listen, go get somebody at Tops. You got a post office? Get people at post at the post office. Just just be led by the Spirit. Wait for people. Scout everybody you come. I listen. I, I, I look at I look at every time. 
I love him. He thinks, he thinks I'm his father. I don't know. Is, is his daddy here tonight? Yeah. Okay. He thinks, he thinks I'm his father. He was between my legs last night, just leaning on me. He didn't even know who he was leaning on. He thought he was leaning on his daddy. Right? This is the same boy that spoke to me over on the pl- playground. Look, it's dad. And dad was sitting right there. It's dad. <laughs> Man, I tell you, y'all don't know how, to make, how it made me feel. It, it, it took me back to yesterday, you know, when my kids could still fit between my legs. I remember one time I looked down and I saw a little hand stretching out between my legs and, and it was on somebody's kneecap and it was my daughter praying for somebody. Glory to God. Amen. So watch. you got to target the people that you got in your congregation and draw out the potential that God has put in them. So to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Next verse. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. And to another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. Now listen. Now there's different kinds of tongues. There's tongues of men. There's tongues of angels. Okay, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's different kinds of tongues. I was in Aurora, Indiana, and this tongue came out in the congregation from the pastor's daughter, and it happened to be an Eskimo dialect. And there was a woman in the congregation who her tribe was out on one of the Kodiak Islands in Alaska, and she had not heard her native tongue since that, you know, since, you know, it it manifested in that service. So there's different kinds of tongues. All right. To another working of miracles, to another prophecy, another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. Next verse. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. One and the same Spirit, the same Spirit that moves through the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Same Holy Ghost that moves in all nine gifts of the Spirit. Works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Watch this. For the body is one and has many members. But all the members of of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. All right? So it's the Holy Ghost's will for you to move in all nine gifts of the Spirit. All right? Now what happens is when you begin to covet to prophesy, you know what takes place? The first thing that takes place is this. You begin to get into an agape towards the people that you go to church with. It's just the way it works. You begin to get into an agape love for the church that you go to. It's your family. Now when you've got the Spirit of Christ, here comes my boy. When you've got the Spirit of Christ coming through you, when you've got the redemptive plan of God moving through you, you can't help but have the agape love of God for the people that you go to church with. Okay? Look at 1 Corinthians 14. Let's start in verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual manifestations, but especially that you may prophesy. Next verse. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Everybody shout mysteries. Next verse. I want you to hang on to that word mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Next verse. 
He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Next verse. I wish that y'all spoke with tongues. See, Paul's from the south. I wish y'all spoke with tongues. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So listen, folks, it has nothing to do with comparing the two. All right, he's just making, he's just making a distinguishing factor here. You pray in tongues, you edify yourself. You prophesy, you edify the church. There's a lot of people that will read stuff like this, and this is what they'll say. See? See? We shouldn't speak in tongues when we're in church. We'll send confusion on the people. How crazy is that? I mean, it's like people would say, you shouldn't corporately sing in the Spirit. You shouldn't corporately pray in the Spirit. Let me tell you something. That's about as stupid as stupid comes. Stupid is as stupid does. Hate to go Forrest Gump on you. Okay? When the Holy Ghost is leading the congregation into an intercessory act of praying in the Spirit, everybody needs to abide in what God's doing. When God is leading the congregation to sing in the Spirit, I don't care who's here, I don't care who's not here, you've got to be led by the Holy Ghost, and ultimately what you have to do is you have to make a decision. We're going to trust God. When the dust settles, we're going to trust God. All right? Let's don't get into this. Well, I don't think we should do this, and I don't think we should do that. Start straining at gnats and swallowing camels. Okay? Let me just say something to you. This is too easy to mess up. All right? It really is. So what happens is when you, you be, have a desire to prophesy, you get, the, you get this agape being shed abroad in your heart for the church that you go to, for the, for the people that you fellowship with. Man, I don't know about you, but that's exciting. Listen, look at, look at chapter 12 in verse 25. It says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. So when you got this agape being shed, shared with you and shed abroad in your heart in your life, and you, you have a desire to edify, exhort, and comfort when you understand the Spirit of Christ is speaking through you and it's bringing about the redemptive plan of God that He has for every person on the face of the earth. It will put an end to schism. It'll put an end to backbiting. It'll put, it, put an end to, to, you know, to, to people getting into all kinds of crazy interpretations. It'll end all this. Chapter 14, verse 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues, and let all things be done decently and in order. So I think that we need to focus on on obeying the Holy Ghost. If the Word says everybody should prophesy, then everybody needs to start prophesying. All right? Now, how how do you prophesy? You listen to the Holy Spirit. You wait for the proper opportunity because everything needs to be done in decency and in order. And then you obey God 
And if you really want to bring it into a better order, what you do is you start feeling this thing kicking in your belly and you go to pastor and you say, pastor, I feel like I've got a word for the church. And then the pastor will discern the correct moments of when it needs to be shared. And if he says, no, I don't feel like we're supposed to do this right now, then you've got to trust your leadership. Hello? Well, I want to prophesy, but I don't want nobody to correct me. I don't want nobody to shut me down. The weak don't need to apply here. All right? Amen? I'm much much more offended over folk who won't win, win people to Jesus than over the church squabbling that folk get into. Tell you, that stuff makes me mad. Hello? Secondly, what will happen is you will get a burden for souls. You can't help have the redemptive plan of God flowing through you and not have a love for souls. My God, does everybody in this room have a desire to lead people to Christ? I pray that you do. I pray that you are bold as lions. I pray that you live the commission of the church as a lifestyle. It's just being normal. Casting out devils is being normal. In my world it is. <laughs> I love listening to people only to bring them to the conclusion that they've got a demon and I can do something about it. <laughs> Come out! Hello? All right? So let's look at 1 Corinthians 14 and we'll start in verse 20. You have a love for souls. Now you need, you need to follow this. Because the Holy, Ghost, the Holy Ghost will cue you up. Man, if you have a desire to prophesy in any way, I'll guarantee you, he will make you sensitive. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. All right? And, and let me just say this. Don't get into prophecy competition. Well, she got to prophesy last week, and I can't prophesy this week. Come on. Is that really the redemptive plan of God moving through you? Is that really the spirit of Christ moving through you? Hello? You've got you to learn how. You've got to learn how, not only how to prophesy, but you've got to learn the people that labor among you. Okay? Maybe, just maybe, the pastor is not feeling in his spirits that that person is really called to bring... You know, I had a lady one time prophesy, and why the pastor let him she do this? She, I have no idea. She got up and started prophesying. She says, talking about uh, uh, Ricky and Lucy Ricardo and, and, and how, how, how Cinderella was coming in on a tomato. And, and uh, I, I said, are you kidding me? Hello? Maybe the pastor's discerning something. And if the pastor says no, then no should be good enough. Okay? But if you have a desire to prophesy, and 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 this gift wants to operate through you for the edification, exhortation, and comfort of the church, I'll guarantee you, he will make room for your gift. All right? So everybody understand this. And and let me just say this to you. you got to catch this by the Holy Ghost. Kingdom people never have to be told no. You know why? Their thoughts and the pursuit of their heart is never selfish. So kingdom people never have to be told no. Okay. Brethren, 
Next verse. Verse 21. In, in the law it is written, with men and other tongues and other lips, I'll speak to this people. And yet, for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Next verse. Therefore, tongues are not for a sign, not to those who believe, but to, the, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. This is why when I prophesy to sinners, I never say, thus saith the Lord. Okay, they don't get it. They don't understand that. All right? I mean, they think that I'm some kind of a tarot card reader anyways, or some kind of, you know, medium or something like that. They've never seen prophets before the world hadn't. All right? Therefore, next verse. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? And see, people will say this. Now, let me just encourage you. There's one word here in this chapter that will clear up any kind of confusion. It's the word speak or the word speaking. Okay? It has nothing to do with the church corporately praying in tongues. If that's the way the Spirit of God is leading the church, then just flow with it. Singing with other tongues, just flow with it. Don't worry about who's here or who's not here. God will sort it out. Okay? People will read stuff like this and they'll say, well, see there? See there? And it'll become a legalistic ploy or a legalistic move to shut down the move of the Holy Ghost. I say we just be led by the Spirit. Oh, amen. You know, I used to have people come to me all the time when I was doing apostolic work, and they would always tell me, you know, you know, we got relatives in church. You know, it's a holiday season. Can you, can you just maintain? Can you just, you know, tone it down a little bit? Can you just scale it back? And I said, what? I said, I got one shot at your dysfunctional family. And you want me to behave? <laughs> I said, absolutely not. I said, I don't only spit on the front row, but I'll reach the third row in this message. <laughs> this song's got truth. I spit in the preacher's eye three times through the course of a message one time. Versailles, Indiana. He got up after the service and he said, you know, I really, I really didn't hear a whole lot of what he said tonight, but I'm seeing pretty good. <laughs> it's the truth. Glory to God. So I'd let them know, hey, look, man, I'm not only going to act wild in front of your relatives, but I'm going to sweat on them. I'm going to threaten them with oil. I'm going to get the devil out of your family. (laughs) They go back and just be shaken. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and and all speak with tongues, let me tell you, let me just say this to you. Let me just, let me just, let me just announce to you. Y'all get free in your praise and worship. This community is going to think you lost your minds anyways. You go to worship in God the way you're supposed to, your family is going to think you're crazy. And guess what's going to happen? Your family is going to get too close to your craziness, and they're going to get crazy just like you. Come on, amen. I don't worry about what people think. Listen, I, I, I mean, my, these, my parishioners, their families would leave church and, and they'd be going, we never experienced anything, anything, like, anything like that in church before. But can we come back tonight? 
I went and spoke at a building dedication of the Church of God, right? And there sits this dude, he just rolled a semi-truck, and he's, got, he's, he's in a body brace. He's got all kinds of cracked ribs, and he's all twisted up. And, and, and I just, you know, it was just part of the, the commencement of, you know, dedicating the building. And they were not having a, an evening service that night, and, and, and they're having dinner on the grounds. And this guy came to me, and he says, he says, you pastor somewhere? I said, yeah, I started a church out here. He said, what time's your service tonight? I said, 6 o'clock. He says, what, can I come? I said, come on, man. Well, he got to the meeting. Next thing I know, I mean, I'm just in the middle of a message that felt as bad as anointed as this, you know, this plat, this little stand right here. And I just knew miracles were in the atmosphere. God was just trying to get me out of the way. Next thing I know, this dude fell out of his seat on the floor in his body brace. I thought, oh, God. <laughs> Laid there for 30 minutes and got up and took the body brace off. He was totally healed. Totally healed. Listen, folks are looking for a place like this. Folks are looking for a place that's not ashamed of the gospel, more concerned about about the Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace being offended than people, okay? Not ashamed of preaching the whole counsel of God's word. Not ashamed of the gifts of the spirit. Not ashamed of uncovering somebody, okay? I I don't uncover people out of cruel, being cruel or being mean. I uncover people out of care and concern because I don't want them missing God's best. Next verse. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and convicted by all. All right? And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. This is, why, this is why most people don't want the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the church. It's because their laundry is going to get aired. Okay? In fact, if you, you resist this, you know what God will do? God will yank your skirt up over your head. That's scriptural. It's in the book. Otherwise, I wouldn't say it. Okay? Amen. So listen, a lot of people are afraid of this stuff when you shouldn't be afraid of it anyways. You should live a life that is, that, is, that is pleasing to God and it's pure and it's right. And none of us are perfect, okay? And if we happen to get a personal word, I'll guarantee you it is going to be so wrapped up with edification, exhortation, and comfort, it will basically say, look, it will put a fire in you to renounce what is trying to drag you under. And it will put, it'll put a buoyancy in you that will lift you up and cause you to go on free in life. So thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and, and, and so falling down on his face, he'll worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now when was the last time that happened around here? You better get used to it. I said you better get used to it. You host the presence of God, you better get used to it. They'll come from the north to say, I mean, every time I, I say that, I get this rush in the Holy Ghost. It's like the Holy Ghost trying to blow me over. <laughs> come on, amen. I'm telling you, it's coming. You stay, in fact, it's, you know, the Lord just checked me. He says, what do you mean it's coming? I, I, it's here. And all you've got to do is stir it. Just stir it. And it'll get stronger and stronger and people will come. They're looking for a place like this. They'll come from the north, the south, and the east, and the west. And when they come in here, they're going to need people that are prepared to minister. Next verse. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together 
Each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Okay? And if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. Now this takes some sensitivity. Somebody gives out a message in tongues. Listen. If you feel the leading of God to interpret those tongues, start giving an interpretation. Give out what you're seeing. Get out out of you what God's saying to you. And if there's more to that tongue, interpretation-wise, somebody else will kick in. Okay? But listen to this. You ever been in a church service where a message in tongues was given and nobody interpreted it? And there was that awkward silence for about 20 seconds? You can hear people breathe. Right? And nobody interpreted? I'm going to show you why. Next verse. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Watch. Let two or three... Everybody? Everybody shout it. So there has to be a prophet here. If there is not a resident prophet in a born-again, spirit-filled church... That church is not operating at its best. Come on. Different kinds of prophets. Local prophets. Regional prophets. National prophets. International prophets. A local prophet has no no business fooling around with regional information. A regional prophet has no, no business fooling around with national information. A national prophet has no business fooling around with international information. You function at the level that you're called to function at. Come on, amen? Okay? I, this, is, this, is one, this is one of the things that I'm being, I'm being uh, scoffed at again. The, well, you know, I just don't see where the Bible says that you should have a resident prophet. Well, okay, uh, that's the, yeah, I can't find terminology in the Bible there, you know, it says that either. But I can't find where the Bible says that James was the governing apostle at the church in Jerusalem, but we all know he was. You can't find that terminology in the Bible, but we all know it's the truth. Okay? So what do we do? We understand that the scripture teaches. Then in the book of Acts, chapter 15, verse 32, Paul never went anywhere to establish a church without carrying a prophet with him. All right, Ephesians 2 and and verse 20, it says this, the foundation of the church is the apostles and the prophet. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28 says this, God's appointed in the church first apostles, secondly prophets. So prophets need to be in the church. And listen, I will tell you this, an apostle and a prophet will probably be more driven by the agape love of God than the other three offices. Okay? It's because they're, they're governmental offices. All right? They, they have to be so precise it's not even funny. All right? Otherwise, you can do more damage. So you let two or three prophets speak and let others judge. All right? Next verse. Oh, is that the end of that? Is the computer froze? <laughs> But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. Next verse. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Okay? So when the laity does not pick up on the interpretation of a tongue, 
you better pray that there is somebody that's prophetically geared in the midst. Okay? I encourage this house to start grooming your prophetic people. Find out. Find out if they're, they're, they're called to, to function more than tongue, in tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Find out whether or not they really are being groomed by God to move into a prophetic or a prophetess type office. Okay? Yeah, I'm telling you, it'll edify, exhort, and comfort this church. It will, it'll put guards at every entrance spiritually of this church. And I'm telling you, it will keep this congregation from unnecessary things happening in it. Okay? And thirdly, what happens is when you begin to covet to prophesy, what happens is you get this, you get this overwhelming authority as a believer operating through you. Look at the third chapter of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul said this to his son and the Lord. Stir up the gifts of the Spirit that are in you by the laying on of my hands. Stir them up. Watch this. Ephesians 3 and verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. Oh my. Hallelujah. Let me just just say this to you. Our time together has been ordained by God. Sunday and I were eating lunch together, and I went through a time warp right there at the table. Three months ago, the Lord gave me a night vision of me sitting in your gymnasium talking to Sunday, and all of a sudden my body caught up with where my spirit had been traveling today. All right, now I hope that doesn't sound too freaky to you, but the world calls it deja vu. I call it the Lord preparing me to meet somebody. Come on, amen. And I've been seeing angels since I've been here. Okay? Now there's a reason why I've been catching a glimpse of this. I'm going to show you why. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Next verse. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The mystery. The mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now everybody hang on real quick here, because that is not where your warfare is. Yes, the church has an expression, but your warfare is not in the second firmament. Okay? Revelation 20 and verse 1, God sent an angel to bind Satan for a thousand years with a chain and throw him into a pit. He didn't send you. Angels war in the second firmament. You and I illustrate and, 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 and walk in authority in this first firmament. Okay? So watch. The church is called to make known uh, to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Next verse. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Understand this. Understand that when angels start showing up in a service, it's basically an announcement. I was in Newport, Richie, 
And I was preaching, and all of a sudden, I started seeing angels show up, lining the walls of the church. And I said, Father, I said, what is this? He said, Son, you need to understand that when angels start showing up, especially in a corporate meeting, it's me making known to the church that I personally have dealt with the principality. The angels are here to be ministering spirits sent to minister unto the heirs of salvation. The angels are here for you to start illustrating and carrying out the redemptive authority that you have as a born-again believer on the face of the earth. For you to be free to engage with the Holy Ghost with no complications, no reservations, and start moving in the power that the Holy Ghost wants to move the church in. When angels show up, I've been spotting angels since I got here. And I'm here to tell New Life Church, God has dealt with the principality of the air over this region. You need to know that. You need to know that. You don't need to to listen to anybody but the Holy Ghost right now. Because it's time for this ministry to step on the accelerator and start moving ahead. And the prophetic fulfillment that God has for this ministry. I'm telling you, the days of struggling, the days of being a plowman is over. It's time for you to be a reaper. It's time for you to start moving in the harvest that God has for your life. The atmosphere is right. God has set the table. He has dealt with the principality himself. And this ministry is now free to be what God has called this ministry to be. The walls came down. And now we're liberated to be God's people. I want to pray for you tonight. I want to lay hands on everybody that wants hands laid on them. I want to stir up the gifts of the spirit that are down on the inside of you. I want to activate you. Come on, amen. amen. Glory to God. You got an old timey, a water thing, spigot thing out there. I'm, normally, I'm used to nozzles, but you got this crank thing. It felt like a well, you know. I don't know what it was, but this is what I want to do. I just want to, I want to, I want to, I want to just, because when you pull that thing up out there, you can feel the power behind that. Thank you. I want to, I want to just kind of, you know, release the power that's in you. Would that be all right? Yeah. Let me start with this side and let me start with that side. 